coming up in this week's Pixel Podcast. We talk about the latest games coming in 2018. We talk about a new approach to YouTube monetization. And we're talking about the Oscars. It's going to be a good one. Stay tuned. Hit subscribe. Grab yourself a hot drink or a cold drink. And enjoy this episode. Does that work? Is that too bad? It was going well until you started singing about the drinks. (laughs) You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. Yes, we're back with a brand new episode and a brand new series with a brand new format. Lots of brand new things, including a brand new co-host, which I'll introduce in just a second. Thank you to everyone who has subscribed and tuned in to this latest episode. Hello to all you new listeners and hello to the old ones. Thank you for sticking around. So we've taken a bit of a break, had a chance to reflect on how things went and improve it for the future. So we hope you like some of the new changes. We're going to be messing around and trying to get the format nailed and introduce new features as we go along. So stay tuned with us. We really appreciate your support. Thank you very much. So to kick off this new episode, let's introduce, first of all, one of our new co-hosts. Of course, I'm Ben, one of the longest running co-hosts of the show. We'll get to the other longest running co-hosts as well in a moment. But let's get to the newbie first. Alan, how are you? Hi, uh, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Thank you for having me here. It is my pleasure, honestly, to have you here. You're bringing the movie corner, so I'm excited right. for this. Yeah, I'm excited for this new venture. I don't know, this new edition I'm very, very much excited for. And uh, yeah, we'll get, to, uh, we'll get to that later on in the show. But of course, I can't not introduce this guy. He has been there since the start with me, through the bad times, through the good times, through every single time. Martin, hello. Hello, Ben. Hello, Alan. It is great to be back doing the Pixel podcast. It's a really great feeling. I'm really happy that we're back and we're doing it. We're pumped. And as I say, we've got lots to try out uh, in the show. So stay tuned for that. Okay, so before we get into the first serious topics of news, we thought we'd keep things a little bit light and introduce us to you guys if you are a new listener and of course we need to introduce alan our new co-host to you guys as well so we thought if we were one of the sections that we cover as a host in the podcast what would we be so for instance i cover the tech here in the podcast so if i was a tech item i would be the microsoft assistant now let me explain this a little bit the reason i would be that microsoft assistant because Let's be honest, out of all the assistants, voice assistants out there, you know, we've got Siri, we've got Amazon Alexa, and various others will fall into the rest of the category. But, you know, then just, it's not as good. It's, she tries hard, bless her, the, the Microsoft assistant. You know, she's there, she's on Windows 10, she's like, please use me. She even interrupts the installation of Windows now. She even talks you through it in case you get stuck when installing Windows, which I'm sure all of us struggle with. But she tries really hard and just doesn't seem to just doesn't seem to get there. Doesn't seem to always have the answers you need and isn't quite as helpful as you'd like to be. So that's how I feel sometimes. I feel like I try really hard to be helpful and be nice and do all this stuff and stuff. But uh, sometimes I feel like uh, I don't quite meet expectations. <laughs> uh, I feel like we're on a slope already. <laughs> Microsoft's got quite a history of incompetent uh, assistants, so haven't they? From Clippy. Yes, that's exactly where I thought Ben was going at first. I feel like Clippy. <laughs> so next, let's go over to Alan. Alan, as you're one of the new new guys, we'll come to you next. So if you were a movie, which is what you're going to be doing to Pixel Podcast, what would it look and feel like? I think I would love to be a Terry Gilliam movie. Uh, you might know him from Brazil or 
the Fisher King, and he just does these wonderfully absurdist, surreal movies about even the most mundane things he can make wonderful and fantastical. So I'd love to be a Terry Gilliam movie. High expectations then, Alan, we have for you now. Yeah, very much so high expectations. Oh no, I would love to be made wonderful and fantastical. <laughs> oh, okay. Martin, if you were a video game, what would you look like? I'm going to go with the classic Super Mario Brothers because I'm old time, classic and so lovable. And I'm sure Ben would agree with that statement. Yeah, I definitely would. I definitely would. That's, that's a really good choice. Thank you. You didn't sound convinced. <laughs> no, no, I'm just thinking about it. That's quite an interesting one. That's really quite an interesting one. Yeah. You guys at home, if you're listening, if you were one of these things, just have a think about it. What would you be? The worst time to have a heart attack is during a game of charades. You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. Each episode of Pixel Podcast, we're going to have three sections. One's going to be tech, one's going to be gaming, and one's going to be movie. And that's why we have the three hosts. So let's take a voyage over to Game Corner and meet up with Martin and see what he's got for us this week. The first article I'm going to talk about is that Fortnite is shutting down Paragon. Paragon is the third-person MOBA from Epic Games, and it will cease operations in the spring. It's a bit of a shame, really, because uh, as MOBAs go, Paragon wasn't really the big one. In, in my eyes, it was definitely League of Legends that took it by storm. And now that you have Battle Royale, it really sort of put the uh, nail in the coffin for Paragon. I did play this game and I did enjoy it. And my friends and I used to play it a fair bit. However, I felt it, the game did get stale very quickly. It didn't have that replayability like League of Legends. Fortunately, it's a bit of a blow uh, to Epic Games. However, on the plus side for the gamers, all refunds will be offered for every purchase ever made on the game. So also they're gonna be losing a fair amount of money. But they're going to be making so much money on Fortnite. I mean, this, this the kind of story is uh, kind of a tale of two sides because the success of Fortnite has really just been the downfall then to Paragon because what's the point in having, you know, two not enormously different really when you break it down, you know, kind of like experiences, um, you know, and if you've got, you know, Fortnite doing amazingly well, you know, that you want to be putting all your efforts into making sure that that's as good as it can be. I know there's, there are differences and there are slight differences in what the games are, but I'm just saying, you know, from what Epic Games would hope to achieve from both games, I think, you know, the success of Fortnite has just sadly, you know, taken over and has not really given a chance for Paragon to, to, to continue on, which is, you know, it's a shame for all the, the people who are, uh, uh, we're playing on it and, and, and investing money into it. But, uh, you know, they're doing the right thing. I mean, they couldn't, literally couldn't have done any more. I think the writing was on the wall very quickly after after a few months. And especially when people start hearing about Battle Royale, they knew this game was going to come out of, out of nowhere and blow them out of the water. And it's exactly what's happened. And it is unfortunate, especially uh, to people who are massive fans of the franchise. However, it is over. So that's all I've got for Games Corner. Thank you very much. And back over to Ben. If ever there's a Minecraft movie, it'll likely be a blockbuster. Pixel Podcast. Thank you very much, Martin. It was great visiting Games Corner for this episode. Now we're going to move on to a little bit of the Movie Corner over with Alan. Alan, what's happening over at Movie Corner? So, actually quite a lot, to be honest. We're in this strange period of the year. Winter's finished, spring's on the horizon, and 
we're in this award season and you've probably been reading left and right awards being given all over the place but we're just going to focus on the one that the people really only care about uh, and that's the Oscars. So shall we dive into some some Oscars discussion? Just the nominations. I think we should, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it is this time of year. This is a perfect movie time of year for you, so there's a lot of exciting stuff going on. It's a very specific type of movie that comes out this type of year. Um, obviously, they're very good movies, but it is one particular genre, and that's the Oscar-type movie. Although, saying that, in the Best Picture category, we have actually seen quite a bit of diversity. For the first time in a long time, we've got a horror movie, as well as uh, a fantasy movie. Yes, very, very true. Horror being Get Out and the fantasy being uh, The Shape of Water. Now, you've been watching Get Out this weekend because you hadn't seen it, Alan. I don't think Martin's seen either. I was the only one that's seen it when it came out and they've been raving about it, but no one seemed to limit believe me how good it was. Uh, everyone I talked to, I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. I'm like, no, go and see it. So now, uh, as it was coming up in Best Picture, Alan was like, oh, I need to go and see this. So, Alan, what was your verdict? So I, I completely understand why it's on this list. Uh, I do think horror is maybe not the exact right genre for it to be in. It is more of a thriller, and it's a lot more subtle uh, racial horror, I guess. Uh, mm, yeah. And it brought up, as I guess loads of great horrors do, a lot of discussion. Uh, yeah. it, I was talking about it long after the movie finished, so for some setup for the few people who don't know what this movie is, uh, it came out, was it March last year? So there's plenty of, you've had plenty of time to see it, and so have I, I can't believe I hadn't. So it's about uh, a young African-American man, Chris, who goes to visit his girlfriend's, his white girlfriend's parents for the weekend, uh, you know, in a secluded, very suburban area. And although they seem quite, friendly and nice to begin with, the institutionalized racism starts creeping up, but then this feeling of much more nightmarish situation starts coming into it. And it, it really, I think this movie really plays on the, the, the subtle racism we, we see a lot in society. And obviously I saw it from one perspective, being a a, a white person myself. My partner's mixed race. She saw it from a, a completely different perspective, actually, and that's what really I, I enjoyed having the discussion afterwards and just seeing our two takes on this movie about about uh, race relations at the minute. I think I think it's very much about race relations at the minute. I'm going to add something here that, that okay. you might. So with Get Out, it's in quite high company, really, because. Um... Realistically, there's only a handful that's actually nominated for, for this sort of award. You think um, stuff like uh, Frankenstein in 1931, uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in, 70, in 74, Halloween, The Shining, Nightmare on Elm Street in 84. You know, these are big, proper cult classic horror films. And, and this to be even nominated in that, um, you can almost say there's almost a revival in, in the Oscars and the Academy Awards. It's not that um, the Academy Awards sort of hate these sort of films. I think... Some people just don't get it. Some people just don't like it. So for this to be even like nominated alone is a fantastic achievement to the film. So I'll, I'll just briefly go over the, the main things that I, I've noticed from all the nominations. 
obviously, we'll go through the best pictures because that is the main event. Most of these aren't out in the UK yet, so I've not actually seen them, but The Shape of Water, Lady Bird, The Phantom Thread. Phantom Thread is coming out the end of th this week uh, of recording. So we'll see those soon. But I think the big one that's standing out for me is Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah, what a wonderful film that is. A film that took me very much by surprise. I happened to be out in America um, before Christmas and was lucky enough to go and visit it by chance. Literally, we wanted to go and see a film, me and my partner, and we saw like two films that were in one of our favorite little cinemas. It's really an artsy cinema that's not very big and it's family run kind of thing. And uh, we were like, there's two films on. We was like, well, this one, because it's got good timing, so let's go and see it. Knew pretty much nothing about it, but we knew if it was on there, that it was going to be at least fairly good. So we went and we were just blown away by how good it was. So um, I would like to not spoil it for a lot of people because I think going into it mostly blind is, is really good because it's just incredible movie making in a in a few hours there because you know the the, the acting is fantastic the story writing is fantastic and the the directing and, and everything everything comes together so well uh, and uh, it's it's rare to see that in some blockbuster films these days and it's it was really refreshing so i hope i haven't taken most of the steam away from alan's bit on this no absolutely no i mean i obviously agree with everything you're saying and the main thing is yeah i don't want to give too much of this movie away no um I'll briefly touch on it now, actually, while we're talking about it. So it's, it is a tragic comedy. And I think the reason it is on this list is because Martin McDonough, the director, really uh, deftly handles the comedy and the drama without betraying either. So there are moments in this movie where you will be heartbroken and the next line you will be chuckling. And the theatre that I saw it in, the whole audience was the same. We were all laughing together, we were all crying together. A lot of people do have some issues with this movie, um, and I do understand them. I don't necessarily agree with the, crit the criticisms of it. Uh, people say, you know, it, it has too many themes, especially it picks up uh, uh, racism at the beginning and then never does anything with it in the end or uh, forgives certain characters for certain things. But it might be too divisive a film to win the best picture. But I think so far out of this list, it is my, my best picture until I see the movies that haven't come out yet. So some of the other key things that stand out on the, in the nominations, I'd say best actor probably will go to Gary Oldman. Uh, although Daniel Kaluuya was great in Get Out, I do think Gary Oldman's portrayal of Churchill will probably win him this award. It's definitely an, an Oscar-winning film and type role to be in, you know? Yeah. Being someone as prolific as Churchill in, in a film like this is, is probably going to steal it. I mean, I haven't seen Dark Side. I've been meaning to see it, but I haven't seen it yet. But from the trailer alone, you can just see he really captures that character oh, 100%. perfectly. Um, <clears throat> lead actress, I will say Frances McDormand from Three Billboards, for me, is a standout. Um, she she's helped wonderfully by the supporting cast and Sam Rockwell is nominated for supporting actor as well but I think as the lead actress she, she's my top billing to win that Oscar and she definitely deserves it she was fantastic 
She was. She was very, very good. So, uh, yeah, I hope she I hope she wins it as well. Best director category, I'm a little bit bitter that David Lowry isn't on this list. He directed Ghost Story this year. It's I know it's not a very Oscar movie, but it... Oh, he he did a fantastic job directing that movie. It's essentially, I mean, it's essentially a silent movie where we have a passive character with a sheet over his face for the whole movie. And he manages to make an extremely emotional film out of it. So... Uh, well, props to him for that. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> fantastic direction there. But, I mean, I, I'm not going to put my nose up to anyone else on this list. We've got Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk, Jordan Peele for Get Out, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread, and then Guillermo del Toro for Shape of Water. They're all looking to be great movies as well. Yeah, they're all deserving in, in each way. I mean, yeah, of course. honestly, part of me is mixed between wanting Jordan Peele to win because, for Get Out because, you know, it was uh, such a difficult job, I think, to, to do the, that movie well. But also, you know, I, I kind of feel like Dunkirk was so well put together um, and was just the tension building on it was incredible. And I know Christopher Nolan does tension building pretty well, but it, it was edge of the seat stuff. And if his goal was, I'm sure it was, to put you in that war, in that situation, I felt it. I felt like I was there. I felt just as tense probably as the characters were um, supposed to be. And it was incredible. It was incredible. So part of me is like, well, Christopher Nolan's like an enormous director, you know, so maybe Jordan Peele deserves to get it. But either way, I think anyone else, you know, whether it's uh, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread or The Shape of Water, I think all of them are deserving. Yeah, although I think... I did prefer Get Out to Dunkirk. I don't think Jordan Peele will get it. This is his uh, debut film, for one. Yeah. Yeah. And Christopher Nolan, I, I did think he did a better job as a director. If you just look at the scope of the movie, how much uh, direction came from him. Yeah. Whereas Get Out, I think the performances were very key to that. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, Dunkirk, I, I prefer Get Out, but... As a director, I think Christopher Nolan did a better job. Uh, I'll comment more when I see Ladybird, Phantom Thread, and Shape of Water. And finally, it's the Cinematography Awards. This is Roger Deakins' 14th nomination without a win. And he's going to do it this time. <laughs> this injustice can't go on anymore. He has to win it. And deservedly so, I think. Uh, Blade Runner was. Beautiful. I, did either of you guys see Blade Runner? Is this the remake that came out? Yes. No, sorry, I say remake. Um, uh, the sequel. sequel. Yes, it was... Okay, I listened to it in a really old cinema we have in our hometown, and at the end of it, I turned to my friend and said, it was good, but the sound system really let the film down. But as a compelling plot, it was fantastic. Like, the shots and everything was beautiful. If you can catch it again... In a, in a proper cinema, I implore you, because this... I, I first saw it in IMAX, and it was just amazing. I saw it again in, in another cinema, and you, you really see the difference, and Roger Deakins just did an amazing job. Uh, I will be astonished if he doesn't get it. But you never know. Yeah, that was definitely a movie that was really good, but just marketed really poorly, as I think a lot of us agree here. Um, because the way they, they marketed it was, you know, it's 
it's like a like a buddy cop type thing. Do you know what I mean? There's two you know really key actors in this thing, and for people who hadn't seen Blade Runner before going into it, would just have not have got it at all. That's a, a great way of putting it because like um, I'd not long seen Blade Runner, and it was one of those films that when people ask, I go no, they go, well, have you not seen it? So I saw it just before the the new one came out, and as I saw the trailers for the second. I just thought this seems like a real buddy cop. And it annoyed me because Harrison Ford's character doesn't really come in until I would say probably the last... Uh, do we want to <laughs> give away major plot details? I, okay, I'm not going to say anything <laughs> other than he's going to... And Harrison Ford's character came in the last third of the movie, which is what I was going to say. I wouldn't say why he came in, but I just thought how they pre pre uh, shown it, it was like Harrison Ford was in it the entire time. Uh, and there was times where I sat in the cinema thinking... When's Harrison Ford covered then? Anyway, yeah, so these, these are the main points I just wanted to cover, just looking at the list. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm just happy to see some genre diversity in the Best Picture category. So yeah, that's all I have to say about uh, the movies this week. I'll be looking out for The Phantom Thread coming out this Friday. A clean house is a sign of a broken computer. Pixel Podcast. Thank you very much, Alan. That was a trip down to the movie corner. We're now setting sail away from movie corner and heading our way into tech corner. So before we get too serious with our real serious topic, talking about YouTube, we are going to first of all discuss an app which has been lighting up certain areas on maps which people didn't know these places existed for probably very good reasons. Let me explain a little bit more. So, security concerns have been raised after a fitness tracking firm showed the exercise route of military personnel in bases around the world. Now, we all have fitness trackers in these day and ages. Maybe just you got one for Christmas, a Fitbit. Maybe people have Apple Watches, the smartphones, whatever you do. A lot of people, when they work out or just go for runs these days or even just walking around, they like to track their steps. But of course, it's not only just doing that, it's also tracking where you were when you did those steps. So, the uh, fitness app Strava decided to put a map out showing where all their users walk around. And people started discovering that certain air bases that they didn't know exist started lighting up on the map. For instance, uh, Bagram Air Base is a military US base in Afghanistan. There's the outlines basically of all the roads that go around that air base has all been lit up. And... Uh, as you can probably guess, the US military is not too happy. So Strava has said that the newest version of this uh, is built around 1 billion activities, some 3 billion points of data covering 27 billion kilometers or 17 billion miles of distance, run, jogged or swum. It's not a live map and it's just recorded between 2015 and September 2017. But isn't this a little bit worrying now that uh, all this has been shared? I mean, come on, how silly are you? If you're in a secret base and you wear a, a use an app that records your data that sends it off. Yeah, uh, you, there must be some regulations that they're breaking by doing this. Uh, as in the, 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 the soldiers wearing these things. Yeah. Uh, it's just absolutely ludicrous. And it's funny, though, at the same time. You have to just laugh about it because, you know you are able to turn this stuff off. They are saying that, you know, you can make sure that this is all private, but these people just haven't done this. I'm just baffled by the uh, the incompetence of these people. Like, uh, it's like you said, you know, 
this is something that records your personal data and you're going out of your way recording in what is meant to be uh, classified information. It is ridiculous to think that this can actually happen. So this, the information's out now, right? Oh, uh, 100%. So, so the way it got spotted was um, a Twitter user, at NRG8000, um, put up the images and uh, a quote here from him saying, I just looked at it and thought, oh, hell, this should not be here. This is not good. I thought the best way to deal with it was to make the vulnerabilities known so they can be fixed. Someone would have noticed it at some point. I just happened to be the first person to make the connection. So... So yeah, he decided to share it with the world, which I'm sure the US government is loving him for and any other governments out there whose bases or secret facilities have been made publicly aware. Yeah, well, rather him than uh, someone with malicious intent, I guess. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, what The information's out there now. They, they need to deal with this. I don't know how you can get back from this. I don't know. I mean, some security must have been compromised, surely. What we'll do is the old Patrick Starr moment it's like, we'll take those bases and we'll push it somewhere else in a new location. There you go. So just pick it up and move it. That's your, yeah, that's your, that's it. your solution here. That is the solution. Pick it up, move it away in a different location. Works every time. I'm sure they didn't think of that, so thank you, Mark. <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Martin, for that last word. Uh, sound advice there. This next article is a little bit more on the serious side. We're talking about YouTube monetization. Now, I need to give a little bit of context to this. Um, so as many of you might know, a certain YouTuber decided it was a very, very good idea to upload a video onto YouTube of a forest where people go to try and kill themselves. There's no other better way of putting it. They wanted to commit suicide. So this video went on YouTube. I'm not going to mention the YouTuber's name, mainly because I don't think he deserves any more fame or any more discussion with his name than he already had. He's already had a lot out of it. And this was a massive YouTuber who was a, a partner, a selected partner. So someone who YouTube recognizes as being a big deal and has their support and has um, special advertisements that they can put on their channel that other people can't have. And he decided it was a good idea to share this piece of content and it went badly wrong. Not just in the way the public and the community reacted to something that was in strict violation of YouTube's guidelines, but the fact that YouTube decided it was a good idea to leave the video up and not do anything about it for several days. Meanwhile, other people were re-uploading the video on their YouTube channel and having it taken down almost immediately. So this definitely started to ring a few alarm bells. Why was YouTube kind of, by saying nothing and doing nothing, backing him up like it was okay? It's like, oh no, you small YouTube channel can't do this, but as you're a selected partner, we're just gonna let it slip. Eventually they came out with a statement, eventually they said, okay, yeah, this isn't gonna happen and we are gonna drop him. But this response that I'm going into is in supposedly in hindsight of this. So I was just explaining it in case you don't know. The news is coming that they're gonna start demonetizing YouTube channels of a certain size. Previously, um, channels had to reach 10,000 total views in order to be eligible for the YouTube Partner Program. For people who don't know, the YouTube Partner Program is a way that you make money from your YouTube videos with ads that get placed on the content before you uh, watch. If you ever watch a YouTube video and seen an ad where you have to wait five seconds to click, etc., etc., then you know what this is about. So starting from today, well, from the time of recording and actually a bit before then, you will have to have 
1,000 subscribers and 4,000 hours of watch time in the last 12 months to be eligible for ads. This is going to begin enforcing on the 20th of February. So it's going to basically stop smaller YouTube channels from being able to monetize their content, something that they would previously have been able to do. Now, I mean, I'm in direct effect of this. I have some YouTube channels which are going to be affected. Now, guys, in initial response to what I've just been saying here, does this response seem to reflect anything on uploading content that shouldn't be uploaded? Not really. It's sort of just hurt. YouTubers, that's how it feels. It feels like they've done nothing still. Would this stop a big YouTuber from uploading inappropriate content? No, I, I just can't see it happening. Exactly. It, it has made no difference to that situation. Now, I will go to explain what this is possibly hoping to achieve. Now, with all the upcry, obviously bigger YouTubers, as I said earlier, get preferred ads. And these preferred ads come with special deals with special marketing uh, organizations and brands and companies and everyone who wants to have their ads shown on top channels that get a lot of views. There was a massive backlash, as I'm sure you can imagine. Their, their, their ads were shown on a video that was very, very inappropriate and probably not a video that any brand wants to associate with. So what I can assume and what people have been assuming from this is YouTube have had to have gone, okay, we need to do something to show that we're having some sort of control over um, not putting ads on channel creators who might be doing something silly. So we're going to go to people who haven't had that many views or subscribers in the last little while and stop them from being able to have ads. Now, this probably is also linked to the fact that, as you guys probably know, there is a litter of live streams and content going up on YouTube, which is copyrighted recently, such as Family Guy, The Simpsons, Rick and Morty. All these kind of shows have just been appearing. Mm. Very true. Yeah, it, I mean, it's it's there. I, I mean, I've I've seen it. I'm, I'm, I'll even yeah, admit I've that I've it. watched some of it on a live stream. I mean, you know, I'm not actually committing a crime here, so I'll, I'll admit that I've watched what some of the streams on YouTube. Ben, what happened? You were so <laughs> straight and narrow, and now now. Oh. I mean, you know, we had no Pixel podcast. Well, that that podcast money was just not coming in, so I had to uh, do something. That's, that's, that's fair enough. <laughs> I understand. So basically, what it feels like is that. Advertisers were already fed up that their ads were probably being shown on copyrighted content. So what people were doing was they're creating a new channel, broadcasting this inappropriate or copyrighted content, and then just closing the channel down the moment they got a strike from YouTube. They'd already had earned quite a bit of money because they got quite a bit of views because people that watch, wanted to watch the programs. And then they just start up a new channel and start everything all over again. So I feel like this is a bigger response to that. But it's supposed to be, if you read YouTube's response, in the response to their big problem that they've been having at the moment. So it's a bit confusing. It's not really solving the problem. But I'm going to be honest, I was one of these people who really was against this whole ad drop. And I mean, I'm still partly against it. I am going to not earn money from videos I was earning money from. But for anyone who's serious in YouTube, you're going you're gonna to earn money when you actually earn a decent amount if you're really relying on your youtube income at you know you know a thousand subscribers and four thousand viewer hours of watch time in the last 12 months that's like no money at all you're not going to make you you would be better investing that time into a into a part-time job you would you'd earn more money far more quickly so i think it does kind of balance out between the more serious people and the people who are just doing it for for a hobby and uh you know i don't really see a lot of the big backlash um as non-youtubers do you guys have anything to add people upload so much content to youtube how much 
resource, resources can they really put into monitoring all of this? But this guy was one of their, like, um, banner YouTubers, right? He, he was a star. Yeah. Again, I, I won't say who it was, but I'm fairly sure he hosted YouTube shows and, and he was very much entrenched uh -huh. in the brand. Yeah. They should be keeping an eye on him. Um, They're representing a YouTuber at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, guiding him in, in a way. Um, and so they, yeah, they, they definitely messed up. And on first glance, this... Uh, implementing this, these rules kind of does feel like that YouTube is siding with the corporations over the YouTuber, you know, and it, it does feel like a blow to the community. Well, it, it looks like it would do. Again, I'm not part of, I'm not a content creator, so I, I, do, I don't really know the value of a thousand subscribers or, or, or 4,000 viewing hours. I don't know how much money that is. So I don't know how much people are actually losing, but they, they look like big numbers to me as, as someone who doesn't really know the value I mean, it of equates that. To, it equates to probably about 60 pounds a year in revenue. That's not that much. No. So for anyone who's like, oh, I'm losing all my money and really, really annoyed about it, that's not, you know, that's not livable off. You can't, you know, that, that's a nicety to have. Don't get me wrong, but if you were doing YouTube just for the 60 pounds a year, you'd be much better spending your time in other ways. <laughs> but if YouTube wants to, sorry, man, if YouTube wants to keep engaging with and growing their community, it is those starting off points, the, the springboards. It might just be 60 pound, but it's, it's that, it's the first good thing that these YouTubers starting out get really, isn't it? So if, if they have to work hard before they start seeing the reward, YouTube might be cutting down their community. I just want to uh, just quickly say one thing about the uh, video that went up. Um, I didn't actually uh, find it on like my homepage or anything like that. I actually found it on a um, one of these newspaper websites, and it was like in those like you know those annoying like, almost ads on the side. It was like underneath them, and it said like a YouTuber finds what it was or whatever it, it would have been sandwiches. There you go. Um, and what really annoyed me was the fact that why was it on this newspaper in the first place and how uh, by this point it's already this video's been up for i think it was like a day or two how has youtube not picked up on this if i'm finding on other uh websites then surely um someone from that newspaper or, or youtube or anyone should have said hey this ain't right it took so long for a response and that's the thing that i'm more annoyed with than anything else I, I like their um their way of getting back at these uh, youtubers Especially like um, the aforementioned, like the ones who stream uh, Family Guy and Simpsons. Right, fine, that will stop them. Great, but what? What's the? Uh, you know, what's stopping the bigger YouTubers not putting these back on again? Like, um, like what? Say this uh, YouTuber X does another video very similar to this. What then? And with that, we wrap up and take a detour away from Tech Corner for this week. There's a band called One Thousand and Twenty Three Megabyte. They haven't had any gigs yet. You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. Finally, a nice little segment to wrap things up for this episode. Previous listeners to Pixel Podcast may remember the series that we used to do called Versus. Well, we're going to mix it up now with a brand new twist where Versus are going to be mixed with random news topics. I've asked Alan and Martin to come up with their most 
funny, amusing, crazy, random news topic that they can possibly find, and they're going to have a chance to tell us about it here live on the podcast, and then I'll decide who I think is the funniest. So I haven't heard the stories before. Each other haven't heard their own, their, their each other's stories before. And as Alan is the newer co-host out of the two, I'm going to let him, I'm going to be nice to him and let him choose whether he wants heads or tails. Uh, tails, please, Ben. Okay, so Martin, that leaves you with heads. We're going to use um, a voice assistant to roll the dice. Heads or tails? It's tails. So, tails, that means, Alan, that you can choose whether you want to go first or second. I'll go first. Okay, feeling confident. I like oh, it. Oh, is that? Okay. In your own time, Alan, go away with your topic. <sighs> okay. So, Norwegian's flight from Oslo to Munich was interrupted yesterday. The plane had to return to its original destination due to problems with the toilets. Among the passengers, there were 84 plumbers who were on their way to a trip to Munich with their plumbing company. This sounds like a really bad pornography. I'm sorry, it just sounds like a really... Oh, 84 plumbers on a plane. Uh, we watch different pornography. Carry on. Carry on. Oh, no, that was it. I told you. I, mine wasn't so great this week. It's a sequel to 80, 80 plumbers on a... Train. On a train. This is going This is going in the outtakes. Sorry, Alan, continue, continue this story. No, that again, that was it. So yeah. a plane filled with 84 plumbers... Had to return... Because of a blocked toilet. Why can they fix the toilet? They probably weren't allowed to... Um, they weren't allowed to fix the podcast, probably. Oh, podcast? The... There's no fixing <laughs> this Martin podcast. Martin said I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> so Alan, let me get this straight. There's a, a plane taking off from Munich. From Oslo to Munich. From Oslo to Munich. Interrupted because of those problems with the toilets. They had to return to their original destinations. 84 of the passengers on this plane that was having a problem with the toilets were plumbers. Do you think any of them are called Mario? I imagine 63 of them are called Mario. I think so. What, the, the other half, Luigi? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Wearing red and green boiler suits. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if you're a plumber the uniform, out there. We didn't, mean to, we didn't mean to offend you in any way. Um, so there's 84 plumbers on a plane. 84? Yeah, that's right. Okay. There's 84 plumbers on a plane and not one of them can fix the toilet. I mean, that's that's pretty bad. I mean, you know, traders can sometimes have, you know, bad rep for not actually, you know, finishing the job. But surely, uh, surely they could have fixed it, no? Uh, I guess not. How many how many plumbers does it take on a plane to fix a toilet? Obviously more than 84. And more than 84. So do you know what, what was the problem? What was the problem with the toilet? One moment. He doesn't even know. Well, I don't, that's not the fun part of this. What was the fun part? The irony. The irony, yeah. That's, yeah, that's true. The, the fun part of the story is not going to be a technical problem with a toilet. <laughs> yes, it is. I'm all about <laughs> the technical issues with toilets. <laughs> you know me. Yeah, it doesn't say. I don't, again, I don't think that's the interesting part. Right, sure. Okay, right. so Martin, uh, Martin you go, yeah, if you go, mine. A boy lying motionless on the floor worries strangers until his dad reveals what's going on. So you've seen it before, outside a shop, a kid, you know, he's just lying there. He, you know, he wants his um, his Cheerios or whatever it might have been, and he's not getting his way. However, this wasn't the reason why the boy was lying on the floor. 
it was because he was upset that his gloves matched his jacket that he was wearing. So let me get this right. He was upset that his gloves did match. Yes. They matched his jacket. He was literally just lying outside the shop. A stranger walked past asking the dad, is your boy okay? And he's like, yeah, he's, he's just upset about um, his gloves matched his jacket. And that was it. So people want to match things. Isn't that... Isn't that... But th- that... Oh. See, Ben hasn't got the, the ironic. Like, I think the, um, I think we've got two duds this week. I mean, Martin, what, <laughs> what is this story? <laughs> what article, what newspaper decided this was news? When, who, what editor of a newspaper went, oh yeah, this is newsworthy? I, I won't say the actual name, but it, it rhymes with gear. And it begins with an M. Hmm, Okay. <laughs> I have to judge. I have to judge between plumbers on a plane or a kid lying on the street because he's upset about his gloves that match his jacket. I just that one's a bit too absurd. I think I just don't understand why that is news and why Martin picked that one. I'm sorry, Martin. Just say that. <laughs> I, I, All right then. There, there probably, there's got to be better stories than that out there. Come on, we're supposed to be starting this podcast on a strong note, and this is what he comes up with. So I'm gonna have to I give like... it to Alan. I'm gonna have to give it to Wait, Alan. Wait, hold up. Camels disqualified from Saudi beauty contest over no, you Botox. Can't. You can't. Just I'm bring in another no, no, story. No, no. This, this is for both Martin and I. We, we both failed. This is could, No, this is not how this works. Okay. So, Alan, as yeah. much as I don't kind of want to give you now because you've just given me more stories, I think your plumber won one. Because the irony of that is, is quite entertaining. And plus, I kind of want to know if there are any Marios. And if that's wrong of me, then I'm sorry. Oh, I should have said this story. Brilliant PPI check taking Britain by storm. That would have been a great article to use. Goddamn PPI checks. Okay, so guys... No way to Oslo. Wait, no, sorry. Oslo to Munich's not that long a flight. Could they not just hold it? Oh. Okay, why are we picking holes into this? Ben, can I can I, can I? Can I just say that uh, we are testing new new items in the podcast. So if you think any items, <clears throat> this one isn't really working very well, then please do get in touch and let us know. Um, we are on Twitter at Pixel Podcast. Get in touch and just, just say that, A, Alan and Martin, what are they doing? And B, maybe maybe this isn't working so well. So let us know. And we're definitely trolling testing that because I, I do think that this could have gone better. But it's fine. We're recording and, you know, we like to be honest with our viewers and listeners. So that means that winner will stay on if we continue this segment. And that's Alan. It will stay on and compete against me in the next episode of Pixel Podcast. So stay tuned for that. And it brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. We've put a lot of thought and work into it. Yeah, I know it doesn't always sound like it, but we do actually spend a lot of time putting this together and thinking about the topics. It has been a pleasure doing it again. We've had so much fun, and I hope you guys uh, have enjoyed listening to it too. Thank you very much to our new co-host, Thank you very much. It has been fun. It has been a wonderful time, and thank you for bringing in the movie corner. We've enjoyed discussing the latest films, and we look forward to coming to it next time. Martin... It has been a pleasure working with you again. I hope you are as glad to be back as I am. Absolutely, Ben. Thank you again for uh, taking time and bringing me back. I know last time you tried to get rid of me, so it's glad to be we back. Tried, we, we tried, but uh, something about him just keeps bringing him back. I don't know what it is, but uh, we'll figure it out at some point. 
Thank you again for listening and tuning in. Don't forget that subscribe button to make sure you never miss an episode of Pixel Podcast. We're still sorting out scheduling and when this is going to be going live, so please bear with us. If you are new, don't forget you can go and listen back to all the episodes that we've done previously. There are great episodes on there. Go and check it out, especially the VHS one. It is personally my favourite, so go and have a look at that. And we will see you on a future episode, whenever that might be. Goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. See you next time. Adios. You've been listening to the Pixel Podcast. Thank you and good night. Or as they say in gamer speak, G-G-N-O-R-E.